Jay, it's Evil Duff. Hey, I just want to let you know that I was not dipping out on your 13 rules episodes. Uh, been catching up on podcast and didn't want to be a Johnny come late lately type thing. And felt it was just better to kind of sit back and listen to what everybody else was saying and your response to them. I'm pretty certain that as you were recording some of those rules, you probably could hear me yelling at you at times. Though if you do want a tirade, you know, I'll record one for you, you know, a good 10 minutes or so, probably per rule. Anyway, uh, finally catching up. Great stuff. Catch you later. Jay's gonna bring me back. Plus one to attack. Whoa, oh, 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 I want to come back to the dice. Whoa, oh, 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 I think I need some good advice. I need a role-playing king. Oh, yeah. I need a role-playing rescue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hello, rescuers. My name's Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Had absolutely tons of call-ins in the last couple of weeks or so, following mostly the interview with Peter Laws and also the episode entitled The Elusive Shift, in which I talked about John Peterson's recent book. There are so many call-ins, and many of them are actually reasonably lengthy, with people using their mobile device to record on their mic and then email in a response. And to be honest with you, it's fantastic, but also it's kind of a little bit too much to squeeze into what would probably take something like four episodes to fit together. So what I've decided to do is do a call-in show. Basically, I'm going to put together the calls on those topics and throw it out there as this week's episode. So I hope that's okay with you. I love it when the community comes together, comments and has something to say. I don't know whether I'll respond to these along the way or not. I'm going to listen back through them. I'll drop in any thoughts I had along the way, but basically they stand on their own. And so before we get any further, I just wanted to say thanks so much to everybody who has taken the time to call in. It really does make, well, the show better and this kind of episode possible. This is Season 8, Episode 13, A Fistful of Feedback. Chase, Evil Jeff. All right, so we got to the part in the uh, conversation with you and Jason talking about the movie Zero Charisma and how you're going along at the very end of that segment where you're saying, hey, you know, it's not just a game and that's how you feel. And I agree with you. The premise there is wrong. It's not just a game because games do so many more things. We see games being used in therapy, you know, uh, don't you have a listener in Australia, I believe, that's using role-playing games as therapy? So to say it's just a game, to make it that, you know, to minimalize it is really not fair. It's really not fair to what it really actually is. During this whole pandemic that we have all been suffering through, they have shown where gaming has been helping people, helping keep some sort of sanity and everything. Uh, I've seen 
different newspaper articles and magazine articles and online magazine articles touting the benefits of Dungeons and Dragons. But just take it a step further, since that's just the name they can latch onto that anybody can grok grok and say, oh yeah, I know what that is. That these role-playing games bring community, bring us together, stave off some of that, I don't know, loneliness, that isolation that we might be feeling. So yeah, the premise of the movie probably is wrong because it's not really just a game. Unless that movie was saying that gaming shouldn't be serious and, you know, trying to go off in the realm of the, uh, what was it, Mazes and Monsters, the horrible Tom Hanks movie based upon the lies perpetuated by the author of that book. I mean, if we're talking about that, cool, then that's a good premise. But again, it's not just that. So yeah, keep yelling at the TV screen. Keep yelling at the movies. When they get it wrong, we should say things to them. Hey, write a review about it and tell them how bad they are, how wrong they were. Maybe other people read it and start agreeing with you. All right, so first call there from Evil Jeff. Also at the top of the show, by the way, thank you, Jeff, for calling in. And that was referring to the conversation I had with Jason Hobbs some weeks ago now on the subject of mental health and role-playing games. And, of course, I just absolutely love Jeff's passion in that call. What can I say, Jeff? There's not much I can add. I think he said it all. I just want to acknowledge it and say, thanks, mate. Game on. Shay, that last episode, your bonus episode on good and evil, what a fantastic episode that was. I dumped alignments in my game a long time ago, but only because I never saw how they could contribute to a game. I think the main problem I had with the alignment system, besides simply being superfluous, was that they tended to be prescriptive rather than descriptive. So if I had a lawful good cleric and that cleric did something a lawful good person wouldn't do, suddenly there was a problem. You can't do that was possible. Your character wouldn't do that was more likely, but, you know, can't characters have arcs? Can't they change? Can't they act irrationally? The concept is too fluid to make into a jello mold, at least for me. If that weren't enough, the idea of alignment languages seemed, well, come again? I never really got it. And I can easily say I have never missed dropping it from my rule set. It's not to say there's no good or evil in my games. There, There is. I just don't see any good reason to put it on my character sheet. Anyway, love the show, love the episode. Keep up the great work, Jay. A rare call in there from John from Tale of the Manticore, the man responsible for this show's music. Thank you, John. And I know that you don't like calling in, so thank you so much for doing that. And yeah, I enjoyed doing the episode with Peter Laws too. You know what? This comment about alignment, I think that, well, you'd probably be interested in the next call. Have a listen and see what Wolfchild has to say. Hi again, Che. Wolfchild here. Calling about your interview with Peter Laws on Truth and Evil. Very interesting discussion. At first I was daunted by an hour-long slot, but it just drew me in and it didn't disappoint. It seemed to me that the crooks hung over three points. One, truth being personal versus given from God or gods. Two, Good and evil being either polarised or on a spectrum. Three, how we apply this in our lives and our games. 
The first point, I had a powerful awakening for me. It's something I was thinking about a few weeks back, but never really clarified so well. The idea that a character's power comes from their belief, perhaps even instead of their god, versus a player requesting their god's aid and then hoping to receive. Over the years, and even in D&D 5th Ed, we can see both of these paradigms in force, with a whole spectrum in between, depending on how a spell works, for example. At first, the idea of an atheist cleric having mystical powers pushed me toward the belief angle, but even the atheist must have some force to call upon for summing such powers, so is that perhaps an unnamed god of logic or something else? Regarding good and evil, I definitely lean towards the spectrum philosophy also. There are acts that could be deemed good or evil perhaps, but they are such absolute concepts that I believe they serve as only as concepts, not realities that we can truly comprehend from our limited perspectives. I imagine everyone I have met to have at numerous times acted in a way that falls on the evil side, But as Peter said, for society to work to the degree it does, most acts of everyone must fall on the good side of the spectrum. Yes, even a serial murderer probably mostly does good actions, such as Peter's examples of Ted Bundy. He fit into society and people were shocked because most of his acts appeared good. And maybe they were. So applying these into our lives and games, well, the last note of the talk seems to suggest that a spectrum of morality is all well and good in real life, but we could largely toss that aside for a more exciting, perhaps satisfying, polarised view in our games. My belief is that this largely comes down to decision making. In life we have personal perspectives with their filters to view the world and make our decisions. But games and movies, we see that perspective comes through such a limited view of the world. We deal in snapshots viewed through our GM's words and digital maps on a virtual tabletop. Invariably based on limited data, characters make snap decisions, which need to become more polarised. Of course, we should not ignore the grey areas, as that would steal away... um, the false reality that we're trying to achieve. We still want our PCs and NPCs to fulfil a full spectrum of character in all ways, not just good, neutral, evil, or lawful, neutral, chaotic. There should still be space to deal with the bad guy. The bad guy may be, uh, may be so only through temporary circumstance, um, but we can't expect players and their characters to see so much from their limited perspective in a couple of rounds, they're going to have to choose to act in one way or another. They can't be paralysed by wondering, oh, what's going off in his personal life? Maybe he's just having a bad day. Um, Yeah. So we must also remember that people do tend to go through fashions of thought. If a bunch of adventurers are wandering through an apparently hostile terrain with weapons ready then most NPCs won't want to talk, but more likely they'll fight or flee. If we encounter those NPCs in a dungeon, which may be their home, then they're more likely to fight because they feel trapped. 
if out in the wilderness, then they may just flee, or I don't know how they present themselves. They may uh, want to attack because that was their mindset going into it. Who knows? The PCs are threatening their very existence simply by being in a dungeon if someone lives there. I don't think we need polarised thought for good movies and games. It does elicit more action, though. However, we've all seen movies with nothing but action, and after a while, that gets tedious, and we need a break for some dialogue, some intrigue, and to give us justification for whatever acts are to follow. That's where the greys swarm back in. Um, In summary, my opinions are, I don't think it matters too much where a power comes from in the game. But it could be interesting for a PC to play on that dynamic in the roleplay as they discover their place in the world. Um, Roleplay shouldn't get stuck in polarised thoughts of good and evil. They don't really exist. Um, So roleplay in D&D, especially in caves and dungeons, it simply pushes us towards the polarising thought patterns because PCs and NPCs have so little time to react and so little information to act upon. There's simply more opportunity to develop the greys in the open settings of settlements or wilderness encounters where no one's cornered. I hope that helps. Thank you again to Che and Peter for reigniting my interest in philosophy. It was a great interview, and I'm looking forward to whatever you've got next, Che. Thank you very much. Bye. Hi, Jay. It's Gavin, uh, Gav Biggles. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed your last couple of episodes. Uh, the episode with Peter Laws was fantastic. Uh, really interesting. Great to have a sort of a, a diverse uh, range of topics being discussed, um, you know, and just sort of seeing where it takes you. Um, really good. Um, and with regards to your latest um, episode on the, the journal, the diary, um, now I got a lot of identification, to be honest, you know, uh, d- different, different causes. Um, but, um, you know, it's really important, isn't it, just to keep on trying to do the things that you know will make you better um and for me i mean sometimes i just have to not listen to my head and go through with it anyway you know but um no i really appreciate your honesty um and uh hope you feel um better soon all right cheers mate bye Hey Jay, this is Rob, also known as Minion. Just a quick message to say thank you for you uh for the episode you put out regarding um Oh my goodness, what is it? It was ethics, about ethics and um, a little bit of postmodernism thrown in there and uh, the problem of uh, evil uh, and such like. Uh, sorry, I forgot the uh, the name of the um, the guy who was doing it, uh, the, the minister, but his, um, his thoughts were very interesting. A lot of what you said um, really resonated and um, I agree with most things. I'd probably put them a little bit differently or I'd put caveats on them, but I think you will understand that. We're all smart enough to understand a bit of nuance, right? But um, uh, yeah, great stuff. I think um, uh, there were some other points I wanted to comment on, but I'll need to go back and uh, consider them first. So a lovely gaggle of call-ins there. Thank you, Menion. Uh, it's Peter Laws, dude. And uh, yeah, I fully appreciate that um, 
you know, these things take some th- time. I found uh, speaking to Peter, I mean, I was really nervous about putting the episode out, I have to be honest, because it's a little bit away from gaming. But um, I felt, you know, Peter's a really insightful, interesting person who knows an awful lot about the macabre, about horror, about, you know, culture generally, uh, popular culture, that is. And and there's just so much crossover between what he looks at and what we were talking about. So I, I really enjoyed sharing it, and I'm glad you did too. I'm glad also that people out there can handle some nuance because these days I start to wonder, but, you know, that was part of the conversation with Peter, wasn't it? Gav, just wanted to say big thank you for calling in. It is lovely to have you back as a patron, and um, I really appreciated you commenting also on the Dungeon Master's Diary. It is appreciated, dude, because, yeah, that, for those who don't know, is available exclusively through the Patreon now, and, you know, kind of catalogues my week-to-week struggles. It's kind of where I box up all of my uh, private shizzle. Anyway, yeah, just appreciated the call, and I'm glad that you liked talking to Peter as well. And I just wanted to acknowledge Wolfchild as well. Brilliant call in just off the back there of John's. Dude, so much, so much richness there. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, make some notes, get on your phone, record it and email it in. So appreciated. And that's about everything we had on the subject of Peter Laws. Well, at least so far. I hope you are enjoying this episode of Roleplay Rescue. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can also find the Roleplay Rescue page on Facebook, join our RPR group on MeWe, or follow me at UbiquitousRat on Twitter. If you want to support the show, you can join the Roleplay Rescue Patreon and gain access to weekly Dungeon Masters Diary episodes and early access to every episode of the main show. Patrons also gain access to the Roleplay Rescue Discord. You can find the Patreon page at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. All the links mentioned here are in the show notes. Thanks in advance for your support. Hi Jay, enjoyed the exchange between yourself and Safer talking about this certainly ill-defined term railroads. Linear adventures, if that's in fact what we're talking about, um, is a lot more descriptive to my mind. And I, I don't understand the the criticism of the li- linear adventure. Sometimes your group are going to just want a, a romp through something where they don't have to think too much. And I actually like this idea... You talked about it yourself, the kind of the notice board approach where perhaps you've got a group, you present them with a number of potential missions and they're they're free to choose which they pursue. There's the agency. Once they're on the mission, um, perhaps it is quite linear. If you just... I forget what you called it, level three agency or whatever, and 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 it's just this total blank canvas, a, a, an empty sandbox where they they could literally do anything. Uh, you know, I've seen players that are just like rabbits caught in the headlights. They don't know which way to turn, and that can, that can be that can be uncomfortable. And and certainly, I, I don't think that's the way to go with uh, 
less experienced players. It's it's normally the player that that runs the game, you know. So if you've got a group of GMs, maybe they enjoy that a bit more. It is an interesting question, and also agree, you know, none of this stuff is is new. It's all been talked about before, but. I think every now and then there's a kernel or something that crops up that is a less well-travelled path and it's worth, you know, jogging along, exploring it, seeing what turns up. But yeah, I I, I don't think we should demonise the linear adventure. Enjoyed the show, mate. Take care and I'll catch you later. Hi, Jay. Just a quick one uh, from Wolfchild here regarding the uh, eight eleven elusive shift episode. Um, the chat on gaming styles uh, with uh, wargamer, role player, power gamer, simulationist, and storyteller. It sounds like we require a series of overlaid Venn diagrams of each desire or style with the ideal game for the player's presence in the intersect of all those bubbles. Like, everyone's got their own little map of Venn, where they fit in those bubbles, and if we could overlay all of those for each person at the table, we might find that perfect intersect in the middle. So, I believe that intersect will shift with different groups, and even during campaigns with the same players at the table um it must be very difficult to play entirely with that within that ideal intersect but i guess as long as we circle around it and dip into it then we can still achieve a very rewarding game i don't think we should ever expect to hit the nail right in the middle all the time for everyone and a lot of that also falls on the players and to have a bit of patience um especially players that fall heavily into one particular angle and yeah we all need to demonstrate a bit of patience uh when our own personal ideal isn't currently being met and just have the knowledge that uh the gm does want to provide everyone including themselves a good game and that I means pleasing everyone a little bit. Uh, so with the knowledge and trust that their buzz will still come, it might not be in that episode, it might be in the next session, but it's coming, then patience will be rewarded and we can all still have fun at the end of the day. On the your feedback call, uh, one of your callers mentioned uh, choices um, against being railroaded or the totally open sandbox. I think I've said this before, but... Um, I love how he presented the variety of choice uh, range in the um, in play, and that uh, sometimes players just need to have one choice, and other times there'll be loads of choices on option, and that feels real. That feels yeah, that's that's feels like something that players should engage with. That's more like real life and. Uh, it draws us in, but when we need to make a particular decision or there's not really a decision to be made, then it's not bad to leave us with one choice or no choice. Yeah.
Thanks. Bye. Hey, Jay. It's Laren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. I was just listening to episode 811, The Elusive Shift, and I found it really interesting. I actually just got my husband, Jeff, a book about the history of gaming. I'll have to see if I can dig it up and tell you the name and the author of that one. It isn't the one you're talking about because it's written by a woman. Um, but I heard Safer's comment, uh, comments, and I have to tell you, it's funny. I talk a lot to my son who is on the autism spectrum about not hearing things as judgments of you or statements about you automatically. And so I, it, it always makes me smile when I catch myself doing it because like it's human nature on some level. Right. So, uh, it, but I definitely think it's something very much worth combating in oneself, like, like trying to stop a thought process before it engages and assess what thought process is appropriate. Right. So I heard his comment where he was talking about how narrativist games aren't authentic or genuine. I can't remember which word he used. And I immediately sensed in myself that reaction of, oh, hold on. <laughs> like he's saying something about me. And luckily, you know, I've been doing this long enough in my own head that I recognized it right away and kind of smiled at myself and went, ah, ah, ah. But it is funny how that can happen. So, you know, I, I talk so much about labels. I know, and, and I have called and left comments on Spike Pit a few times and on my own podcast, I've talked about it. I just, this is a perfect example of where a good labeling system would be so incredibly helpful because the thing is that it's not that a narrative style game is more authentic or less authentic objectively, but it can, it, I have no doubt that it feels that way to Safer and I don't judge him for that. I think that if we had a good um, set of labels that we could say, here's the degree of something that I like in my game, or, or here's the type of game I like. And the problem is, if that isn't universal, then it's just confusing because of all the connotations people put on words, right? But I do, it's funny how much I think I'll be listening to podcasts and I'll hear someone say something and I'll think, oh, a, set, a good set of labels would fix that whole problem. It's kind of like, I'll tell you why I think this way is because I used to write HTML code and teach people how to write it. So I think coding is a perfect example of this. If you have a nice clean coding language and if something is a heading one, you call it H1. And if something is the body of the page, you use P for paragraph to separate them. I mean, it's all very logical and linear, right? The problem is, I mean, gaming is just not that logical and linear, right? So that makes it super tricky. However, I don't think it's a useless endeavor. I really don't. I mean, if you don't like narrative style games, oh my gosh, what a wonderful thing to know about yourself. You know, you won't get involved in a game you don't like, right? Or maybe you're just not in the mood for a narrative game. Or maybe you're like, I would like to try something new I haven't tried before, and I haven't tried a narrative game. So I want to join one that I know is a narrative game. Or, you know, any of a infinite list of other possibilities, right? So I just, you know, the two things I wanted to mention was labels are super powerful for this exact reason. But the problem is human language includes so many connotations, right? The way that we perceive it, 
that there would have to be, I, I, I don't know if I knew I would have developed it by now. Cause I have been thinking about this for holy cow, the whole time I've been podcasting and that's been, I think may will be two years. So I, I wish I knew it. If I did, man, I would post it somewhere and encourage all my friends to go look at it and, and try to game accordingly, you know, because I do think it would be super helpful. I know that people do this, like, even, even the terms, this is a drama game or a comedy game or a dramedy game, right? Drama, comedy mixed, or, or a horror game or whatever. I mean, even those mean different things to different people, but that doesn't mean they're not worth attaching because the fact of the matter is that at least gives people some idea. I often think that anytime we apply labels to something, we need to include like a brief paragraph about this is why I put labels here and what I mean by them, because I don't know if this is happening on your side of the pond, but on this side of the pond, the last four years have made labels, I mean, just an explosive subject. So, and, and I mean, connotations have just become toxic at this point. Uh, people are so unaware of how much they apply their own crap to what other people do and say, right? So, um, I don't, I just, I think there is some value to be had there. I really do. And when I heard his comment and I caught myself doing that whole knee jerk thing and catch, I mean, I caught myself right away. It's not like I really don't judge anybody for the kind of games they like to play. I, you know, the only thing I would say is I just hope everybody tries all the different kinds of games because I like card games. I like board games. I like, uh, some computer games. I was sitting here playing Animal Crossing when I listened to Safer's message. <laughs> So, you know, I like lots of different things and I like to try different things. And I will say this, I did not think I would like mechanics heavy games, my interpretation of mechanics heavy, of course. And I played in, um, gosh, what's, what was it called? It was with, I played two different sessions with TJ and with Cody of Dark Trails. And that's pretty mechanics heavy. I mean, you know, that's a thing. And I had a good time. It wasn't like I sat there going, okay, what's the point of this? I mean, I guess I just don't take my gaming that seriously. I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. I'm not sure. But anyway, I just started running my first game that I'm GMing. And I just, I find myself thinking about this a lot. Lucky for me, I'm running it for our Monday night crew who I, we've been gaming with for more than two years. And I feel like I know everyone really well. Um, I feel like you know, we've talked enough about how all of us like to game and where the lines are about too serious and too, too shallow. And, and really the funny thing is we all agree. There's really no such thing as either one of those. It's just what you're in the mood for, right? So we, when we play a game, we often start out at the beginning saying, okay, well, here's kind of the degree we're going for, or like the, the, um, environment that we're going for in the game. And then, I mean, we haven't ever had a problem where, where any of us went, okay, that was just out of bounds, knock it off or, you know, or like X carded something or whatever. So I feel like I'm super lucky to have a group of people to game with that I know that well, to be able to know where the lines and, you know, the boundaries are. But, but even not having that, like going to a con, I just feel like, man, if we had those labels, <laughs> I I know I, I think I left a comment on Colin's show, Spike Put, 
uh, once that was like this too, but I just, I cannot help but think it would improve role-playing and make it more accessible. Like, um, I don't know, one of these days, maybe you and I can have a conversation about like how I think like as a female, I view gaming differently. That doesn't mean I'm speaking for all females, but like I could at least, I don't know, like my experience of gaming, like I'll tell you what happens with me is I just, at some point, I just don't want it to be all violence. That's the thing. I, I, I've watched a couple actual plays and I'm just like, wow, Hey, that's cool. Let's just spend three hours being violent. All right. Like I, I don't, that is not my thing at all. And if they want to do that and knock yourself out, clearly they have audiences of people who watch it. I'm not one of them. I just, that isn't my style of gaming. And I think that if people want their, their female friends and female family members to get more into gaming and game with them, then they're going to have to expand their horizons a little wider. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I, sometimes in our group, we call that being heavy or light kind of, you know, like if you're being really heavy, then, then it is constantly about the fear of death and the possibility of dying and you, and anything could go wrong and that's it. You're dead, you know, and, and light games, there's just none of that. So anyways, see, there's a couple labels we use. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop rambling on. This is a super long message. I'm enjoying your episode very much. I'm going to go listen to the very tail end of it. I did listen to your response to Safer because I was wondering what you were going to say about it. And I didn't want to repeat anything that you said. So I hope that you're doing well. Wonderful to hear you. And I look forward to the next episode. So I'm sure you'll agree there's three very closely related calls there. One from Colin from Spike Pit. A second from Wolfchild. And a third from Liren, from Updates in the Middle of Nowhere. And you know what? When Colin, Wolfchild, and Liren call you, you've got to sit up and pay attention, guys. Because there's a lot of wisdom in there, and I'm really not going to comment on a heck of a lot of it. I just think it's great feedback and so much to think about. I wanted to say thank you very, very much to all three callers. And isn't it interesting that it was Safer's call that had the biggest impact so once again, I just want to say thank you for Safer calling in, you know, a couple of episodes ago and triggering some more thoughts and some more feedback from the community because that's what this podcast for me is all about. Now, on Liren's call there, she made an offer, an offer to come on the show and talk about women, getting women to play and the idea of non-violence in gaming. And you know what, Liren, please, yes, let's sort that out sometime. Let's do that. I would love to have that conversation what a fantastic episode that would be. But until that time, I guess, I just want to say thank you all, everybody, for calling us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue. Thank you to all the callers today. Honestly, without listeners like you calling in and sharing your thoughts, the episode just wouldn't be possible. Thank you. Thanks also to the amazing patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Thank you for your support. I'm Che Webster. 
This is Roleplay Rescue. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode. Game on.